Meet Parker Bennett, real estate agent. Parker loves cabinets. Parker has a background in building inspections, so he knows houses. This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider podcast. I'm joined by a full panel today, myself, Parker Bennett, and we have Allie Carroll in the house. Good morning. I always say good morning, so yeah. people know that. Nobody listens to podcasts in the afternoon. I know. That's it's why. always the commute. Yeah. And yeah. Philly. Hi. Philip Thiessen. Hello. Good morning. He is an ex-teacher, which is very applicable in this podcast. Yes. A conventional. Would we consult a conventional teacher? Traditional? Conventional? Traditional? I don't know. Sounds old. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> I am, actually. And we are joined by our guest today, Stephanie Stump. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So before I get into what we're going to be talking about today, I just want to blast right into some real estate data. And BC Real Estate Association had released this document a couple of days ago. Um, with regards to the new stress test that we've been enduring for the last year. Year, yeah. It's been pretty much a year. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read the opening title. The British Columbia Real Estate Association reports that a total of 5,707 residential unit sales were recorded uh, on the MLS service up until March, which is a decline of 23% from this amount last year. Yep. Which is pretty significant. Now, that's on a province as a whole. Yes. You look like you had something to say. I, I do, okay. but I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, residential sales in the province, on average residential price, is $687,720. That's like the, not the median price, but the average BC home, mm-hmm. which is significantly higher than a Kamloops average residential single family home. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, a decline of five, which that number is down by 5.4% from this time last year. That's a serious number. That is. Yep. Now I have a a cool little diagram here, which kind of shows the arc of residential sales in BC. And when I look at it, I see the decline pattern that BC is on is very similar to the decline we had in 2008. We just haven't logged enough time on it yet. So that's concerning. That's very concerning. Um, there's good news to come, though. Um, the, the drop that we had, the down cycle that we had in 2012 was very gradual in comparison to what we're, what we're heading into right now. Now, here comes the good news. Um, if we look at across the board, all our districts, which is 11 real estate boards, and we look at each individual one, the change in dollar volume, I'll give you an example. Chilliwack, down 31% in dollar value, okay, over last year. Uh, Greater Vancouver, down 34%. Uh, the Kootenays, down 13%. Powell River, down 44%. Um, Victoria, down 10%. There are two districts that are in the positive. One is the BC Northern, and the second one, at 9.9% increase over dollar volume of this year, last year, is Kamloops. Yay, Kamloops. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. See, I let you say it. Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> um, but there is something interesting. The, the units sold um, are down everywhere. And including uh, Kamloops, we're down one point. 
we're down 1.8% uh, in overall units sold, but we're still up in dollar value because our housing prices are on the, on the rise. Yeah. So Kamloops was supposed to be the sweet spot, um, as well as Prince George, which I think makes up most of that northern market. I don't know. Good data. Yes. Yeah. Kamloops is doing okay. <clears throat> yeah. Not great, but not bad. Definitely M not bad. More sales in that above 600 range, right? Yeah. That's because that. we don't have any product in the lower range. Yeah. I yeah. think the residential median price would go down if we had more product available in the lower price range because yeah. they would sell. Anyways, enough of that. Um, our guest today, Stephanie Stump. All, we made the trek in on horseback from Pritchard. <laughs> horseback. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Steph. Um, tell me about yourself. Who are you? Uh, okay. Thank you so much for having me. I am an entrepreneur. I live on a ranch and I'm a transplant from the city. Me too. <laughs> and I don't know what else there is to say. What is, what's that logo on your, on your head? BK Co. What does that stand for? It stands for Butterfly Kisses, which was the original name of my business eight years ago when I opened it. And then when I started making hats, my nephew didn't want to wear Butterfly Kisses, so changed it to BK. And you made it more like coexisting for males and females. Yeah. yeah. So before it was for infants and children, and now it's for everybody. What, what is so special about the hat? Uh, so all my hats are made out of bamboo fabric, which is really, really soft. And our big mission is to make sure that every person who is diagnosed with cancer has a bamboo hat on their head. But I want to do it all by donation. So eight months ago, I started a mission to one for one. So every hat I sell, I match with a hat donation to a child fighting cancer. That's fantastic. That's super cool. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 I love that. <laughs> so is there something specific about bamboo that makes it okay for your head? Like, I'm, I'm assuming your head is, I've never had my hair removed, but I assume that when that situation happens, it, it's very sensitive. Mm -hmm. So when chemo patients in particular lose their hair, it's called alopecia. It's an autoimmune reaction to the chemo drug. And it's every hair on your body that you lose. And then your scalp and everywhere that had hair becomes super, super sensitive. So even having a shower or any sort of um, irritant is extremely, extremely sensitive and painful. So mm -hmm. the bamboo comes in and it's... they. They just love it. It's like a hug on their head. Mm -hmm. And it regulates your temperature. It's a really, really amazing fabric. Cool. Where do you get bamboo fabric from? I have a wholesaler in Richmond that brings it in from overseas. Okay. So like that would be like an Asian product? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have one of those hats and uh, it is my favorite. I love it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Gave me one I love it. Very cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to have to buy one then. <laughs> I don't want to yes, be left so out. It, yeah. It's awesome for the rink. Oh, Best rink uh, hat yes. ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that they're, they're longer in the back because yeah. my hats always like end up like you have to put them back on. Right. <laughs> What's the proper name for that hat? Like a beanie, a beanie or a slouchy hat. Slouchy. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, and you recently, were you on the Dragon's Den or you were? I auditioned okay. for Dragon's Den, so I'm still waiting for them to phone me. But I went to Kelowna and pitched to a producer for Dragon's, and it was actually my second time doing it two years ago. I had done the same thing, but just went with my hats. I didn't have my my cancer mission back then. So this time, I just really focused on all the feedback that I've received and really pushed the the meaning behind That's my business. When will you know? I love that. Well, they started calling people this week, so every time my phone rings, I'm a little... Uh, <laughs> a little antsy? Yes. yes. <laughs> you need to flip that phone over so we can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll put it in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. That would be, yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so please tell me who the Parent Working Committee is. Okay, so Parent Working Committee has approximately six parents on it. I formed this committee last January after holding a public meeting to kind of gain interest and put information out there for parents to see if I was the only one or if there was interest out there. So we formed, there's a group of six of us. I'm the only one who currently has school-aged children. Everyone else on the committee has like preschool and younger. So it's it's an interesting group and dynamic of parents, but it, yeah, we've worked hard. and. So what is the objective? We want to have an outdoor learning school in Chase specifically yeah. because of the resources and ecosystems that are within walking distance in that area. Right. So how, how did you get to this? Like you were just one day you just decided this is my objective or like, like what... What drew your attention to this to get you motivated to do this? Uh, a few different things. A big part of it was our move from the city. We were raising our children in the society where being outdoors was almost being criminalized. You're not allowed to have a basketball hoop. Your tree forts have to be taken down because you don't have a building permit. There's... So, like, in the city, there's so many stratas and orders. It's almost an obsession of, you can't do this, you can't Keeping do that. Keeping you safe yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's, they're afraid of lawsuits, Ish. and they're yeah. afraid of, yeah. Yeah. who knows what, noise. And it's, it got to the point where I, for my husband and I, we are very outdoorsy people, and we spend a lot of time at our family's ranch and we would go 10 or 12 weekends a year up to the countryside and we would just every time we had to come home it was that stress of like going back into the city and we the big reason for moving up here is so that our children can be outdoors and we don't have to drive them mm-hmm. somewhere to get to a park or drive right. to mm-hmm. to be spending no time planning. outdoors. So, yeah, so that was a huge part of our move up here. And then in that process, I came across the Sun Peaks Elementary School. That was very intriguing. And that was a huge pro for a property that we looked up in that area. And then once everything settled and we moved into our place, I was on the pack at Haldane Elementary in Chase, and 
in South Canoe, which is school district 83 in Salmon Arm, they just opened an outdoor school. So because I was on the pack at Haldane, that outdoor school reached out and said, you guys have a great space, great resources to have an outdoor school. Here's our proposal. Do what you want with it. So I jumped on it because I was fresh in knowing about the Sun Peaks Elementary and what they're doing and adapting outdoor learning and kind of just brought it to our PAC meeting. But then there were so many people interested in learning about it that it kind of took over the PAC meeting and it became this huge public meeting. The news channel was there. Like it was it just there was so much interest. And at that meeting, I connected with a whole bunch of parents, and we started meeting um, probably twice a month after that. And then we did a trade show just to spread information about it, get signatures, get surveys done, and get numbers to bring to the school board. Well, interesting. Um, I read the proposal a couple of times, actually. Um, I, I read it. The first time I was writing it, just to consume the data. Mm-hmm. But then the second time I read it, I was reading it, imagining you pitching it to me. Okay. <laughs> so I was trying to break it apart and, and look at different factors to see if there were like holes in it. Yeah. And um, it was interesting. It's very good. I mean, I didn't go through your the, the, the periodicals and stuff that were um, indexed on the back, but mm-hmm. I, I can definitely vouch for the fact that myself... I feel like when I was in school, it was always pent up energy, right? Yeah. So like the idea of being forced to sit at a child's age, maybe not so much when you're like an adolescent, but when you're seven, eight, ten years old, you just have so much energy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're so, it's the lack of focus that you have on particular things, which just seems so much more beneficial just let you exert it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then once it's exerted, you become more focused. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just not battling that drive. Like I can remember just sitting, idling in a classroom, just waiting to go out and play. Yeah. That's what happened to my kid, but he doesn't sit and idle. That's the problem. If there was something like that, he would thrive. Why do kids do better outside? When kids are outdoors, they're using all their senses. So... There is a lot of benefits for children being outside, especially if they have issues like attention deficit disorder. It can be very calming, and you can have improvements in those symptoms just from being outdoors. And for children to be outdoors and learning, that that calming and that focus, there are improvements on standardized, standardized, I can't say it, standardized Standardized (laughs) testing. There's proven research to show improvements in so many different areas. Okay. So let let me back you up a little bit. Okay. Um, You're using all your senses. Mm -hmm. Let's think about the classroom. Like, what are you using as a sense? Just your eyes and your ears. Your eyes and your ears. But what do you really do? Just thinking. You're, you're daydreaming. You're daydreaming. Because mm-hmm. you're just probably, I mean, I was checked out. And I would even vouch for the idea that most kids check in and out throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right? 
especially when you're like in a very creative, imaginative state of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So, so now you're outside, and well, what if it's pouring rain? That is a big, big question for many parents because it could be minus twenty, it could be yeah. hailing, it could be all sorts of things, and a big part of an outdoor learning school is there's got to be a huge investment in gear and you have to have proper gear to send your child to be out in the elements but if they're dressed properly they're fine yeah they're having fun like they're not complaining they're they're enjoying it what about is there a happy balance like is there okay so conventionally we're in a classroom setting for 95% of the day mm-hmm. and we have a 5% time outside or if it's too cold, we don't even go outside. Okay. Or if it's raining, we don't go outside. We never get challenged with appreciating rain, snow or wind, right? We just are taught at a young age. That's not whether we deal with, mm-hmm. we just vacate the, set, the situation. Now on the other side of the scale, we're, we're going to be an outdoor school where it's just like 90% outside and maybe 10% inside, is there not maybe a happy medium where it can be like, we're going to be outside for five hours a day and, and may, or maybe four hours a day, and then the rest of the time we're going to be inside? Yeah, and that's certainly true. And I think a lot of schools and school districts are starting to adapt right. that because all of the research is coming forward, and TRU, for instance, has a program now for all of their teachers graduating that focuses on outdoor education. So it's it's still new and it Canada as a whole is about 10 years behind the rest of the world for outdoor learning. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. Which is so ridiculous. We're like the outdoor capital of the exactly. world. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like it's we have this beautiful environment and it's where are we just training to... ourselves to be more westernized. So I saw on I think it was on the interview you had uh, that at the beginning of the year, starting in September, uh, the kids do a 20% outside, 80% inside, and then as, as the year progresses, it changes. Opposite. Yeah. So 80% it, 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 outside, 20% indoors is what we're proposing. Oh, okay. I just thought, I, for what I understood, is it starts at 2080, and then it kind of graduates, so kids get used to the 80-20, 80 outside, 20 inside. Oh, I see what you mean. Just for and startup? I thought maybe that was because of the weather. That was oh. my conclusion in my head. No, um, I think what the eighty twenty is that twenty percent that that really needs to be indoors. So they're okay. going to have to do computer programming and yeah. and to stay like it's going to be the BC curriculum that they're b- being taught. It's just how can we take the majority of that outdoors? Yeah. But the 20% would be things that need to be done indoors, whether it's an assembly or going to the library, that kind of stuff. But as far as conditioning them up to the 80%, it it wouldn't be weather-bound. It's you're out there. And it wouldn't be difficult. I think it's more difficult to convince the kids in September that they have to be inside for a long time after the summer, right? Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, but I also think there's probably a lot of parenting conditioning. Like just yeah. the idea of, you know, you're, if your parents didn't grow up in, in a large outdoor environment um, and you are driving your kid to school and it's thrashing down rain, mm-hmm. 
and you get there, and you might start to think, um, what, am I doing the right thing? Am I, should I be sending my kids to school today? There would also be conditioning for that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the idea of being outside is more of a mental game. It's like, it's okay to be outside, and you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. And you'll still learn. Still you, you're not just mm-hmm. playing around and doing nothing. That's, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like the impression of people is you're outside, you're... Like, what do people do? Oh, you, you're punished. You're staying in your room. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Instead of, I don't know. So, from, from Philip, your perspective, because you're a veteran of the game, um, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> should I rephrase that? You um, should. I'm <laughs> going to say that. Parker's trying to say how old I am. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, what do you think? In, okay, let me rephrase this. Okay, it's called experience, Parker. I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm totally not offended. It's fine. <laughs> I've been 24 years in the school district. Right. So when you when, when you're like our mission statement for the beginning of a year, what does that mission statement look like? And then what would the mission statement look like from an outdoor school perspective? Well, I think if it's if it's just following the BC curriculum, you've yeah. got your objectives that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it. it. That's it, really. Are you driven by the idea that I got to get to the next chapter because I got to keep pace? This is where we're supposed to be at at this point in the year. We got Easter weekend coming. There's two days we're not going to be in school. You know, is there? Are you driven by the curriculum so much that you forget about any other outside factors? For me in particular, because I'm a secondary teacher, yes. Right. You have to. If there's provincial exams, if there, you have to follow the right. timeline. You've got to get all the information in. Right. Right. I think it's different at uh, um, different levels. Right. Primary Elementary. Level. Yeah. Definitely. Um, there's more sort of leeway, but but that being said, it it has it's definitely changed over the years, and they have made um, they've made a lot of adaptations to to make that easier for that learning. Right. Right. So, and I went to a, a different school. I went from a very traditional school to the arts school. And I was hired there to do the science program because that's my background. And within that science program, it all had to be project-based. So there was definitely more leeway. Still had to get the curriculum done, right. but I got to go outside. It was a, a, just a different style of learning for... Kids don't learn the same way. Mm-hmm. None of them do. I can't right? imagine doing like algebra in a... In a Minus 20 snowstorm would be something that I would want to do. Yeah. But yeah. at a primary level, are we really looking to get through the algebra curriculum? Like, I know that that would be part of the BC curriculum, right? But isn't there so much more value in the social aspect than, like, appreciation for, I know that stewardship, mm-hmm. like, uh, environmental stewardship was one of the, the focuses, right? Yeah. So maybe elaborate on that. Like, how does that play into it? I think... Looking back at the past two decades, there is a huge divide between children and the natural world. There's a disconnect because of the technologies advancing so fast and kids being brought indoors and not having that connection with the natural world. So when we say that we want to encourage a stewardship with the environment, that's to pass on to future generations. Like we grew up as kids playing in the forest and 
catching salamanders and we were out there all day long. To see my kids now being so obsessed with video gaming and tablets and smartphones and smart TVs, it's just that stewardship is your connection to the natural world. Like you, it's as important for a child's development as well as an adult's development to have a connection to nature. It's as important as adequate sleep, as having good nutrition mm-hmm. to grow. It's, it's so important. And there's so much research backing that, that it's, that's, that's a big part of, of this goal is the, right. the environmental stewardship. And I, I could see that. I would I would give let's mm-hmm. let's pretend we have a scenario here where we have a hundred kids that graduate throughout the conventional system, okay? And we have a hundred kids that have real is outdoor school just more based on primary stuff? In Canada, yes. In the secondary level, it's, it's there's very little. Okay. So let's say we have a primary a hundred kids that make the journey through the primary outdoor school and then conventionally deal like as they get into secondary, mm-hmm. it's more conventional. And then we look 25 years in the future, and we were to take those 100 kids back each and evaluate their, their connection to the environment, mm-hmm. we would probably see an amazing mm-hmm. trend, right? Yeah. So like when you think about exhaust fumes and garbage in the backcountry and you know contaminants like soil contaminants and pesticides and, and the use of all this stuff, it would be probably very beneficial to instill those ideas early. And I think even our generation was instilled differently. Mm-hmm. Growing up, we were taught green was good, right? Mm-hmm. But our parents were not. Like, that wasn't a factor, right? It just wasn't a problem up there. They were, like, in, in the media. Yeah. It wasn't brought to everyone's attention. But I would think that having more children raised in an environment connection system even if they later blend in, that they would have that connection would be very much deeper mm-hmm. because that you're so... You're bonded. You're, you're, you it's foundational. information yeah. at, at an early age, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which would just be good for Earth. Yeah. No. Never mind, like, what social patterns would be like, but it'd just be good for mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that whole um, idea of problem solving, right, where there, there are more, like, like entrepreneurs, they're more free thinking, more able to problem solve different situations rather than being streamlined. This is how you do it. Don't vary. Right. I think it's funny because I, I love the outdoors. That's why I had you on. That's why the topic is interesting to me. Um, I love hiking, but I don't like hiking on trails. Hmm. It's very distinct. I would rather not be on a trail. To me, a trail is like a paved surface. Yeah. It's where everyone else is walking. I just want to walk somewhere different, but untouched, untouched. I'll be the one messing it all up, right? But if you were to, even people that were outdoor enthusiasts, if you would challenge them to like just leave the trail, it'd be off limits. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing different about it, right? You're stepping over a branch rather than just a more easier path, right? Yeah. Have, have I talked about the purity factor, my purity factor on the podcast? I don't remember. Right. So I'll make it quick because it could be a really long conversation. <laughs> I have a purity factor which governs all activities, in theory, okay. okay? That your happiness level is completely affected by how pure your experience is. And I'll give you an example. The purest thing that you could do 
would be literally hiking off a trail and you literally wouldn't be wearing no clothes if you wanted to break it down even further because it would be like, you don't have any shoes, your experience is very traumatic for every step you take, you're gonna feel the ground, mm-hmm. right? You'd have to overcome so many different fa- things, uh, temperature, cold, everything. Yeah. But then looking back on that experience, it'd be a very impressionable experience for you. Whereas if you took a hike in a park, it's still a high purity factor. You're still consuming the outdoors, breathing, exercising, you know, releasing endorphins, but, but it'll be less impressionable on you because it was a trail and there was like factors of humanity that were governed in it. Mm-hmm. So my purity factor, it only, it actually, it was created for vacationing, where I just thought like every time our family went on a vacation, the higher the purity factor, the more we would remember it. Okay. It stands dead true. Okay, we, you know, we do a hike off trail, it's the, it's the height of the trip, even though it wasn't even like the purpose of the trip. It's just what we did that we all said, that was pretty fun, weird, right? And I think it's the same for consuming food. Your body appreciates at a higher level, the more natural it is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's my purity gauge. Yeah. I'm spreading the word. <laughs> <laughs> totally on a tangent, you need to watch The Twelfth Man. The Twelfth Man. Write that down. Yeah. yeah. Please okay. don't go hiking Pure, naked. About the purity thing. <laughs> All right. What it's is, a, it's a true a, story. That's all I'll say. Is Watch that a it. Netflix show or something? It might be on Netflix. Okay. Where do I find it? Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it Just Google it. <laughs> okay. What are the challenges that you're going to be faced with? What do you think the challenges are going to be? Oh, for the school. Well, there is a primary annex that has been closed down for nine years in Chase, and it is the perfect building to be reopened and to have as our home base. Um, we're presenting a K to six with the hopes of going K to seven, K to eight mm-hmm. in the future. Um, I can see a challenge compared to Salmon Arm with school district 73. If you want a choice school opened, it's put on the parents to do the the policy outline like that, that proposal course. is parents. Yeah. Whereas in school district 83 in Salmon Arm, it's done by teachers and staff. So when they did their feasibility study on South Canoe, they already had their staff, their admin staff. They have teachers that are already trained in outdoor learning. Whereas with us, we're not teachers, we're just parents who really want this. But we don't have the logistics in place to just wham, bam, open up a school. So I believe what will happen is they're going to start small. And I think what they'll do is utilize space that's currently available in either Haldane Elementary or Chase Secondary and do a school within a school until it's at the point where they can reopen the primary school, which would be amazing. But thinking about the cost and even just the cost for portables and everything, that's you're fighting for. So the funding will be an issue. I can definitely see it starting small, like K to one, K to two, going that way. Right, yeah. The primary, very, very very primary. Yeah. Yeah. um, So when I looked at it the second time, the... Proposal. That's what I came up with. I came up with two major hiccups that I would see if I was, if you were pitching it to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And even if I was pro for it, I would be like, there's nothing in there about money. 
which I know will be at the top of the agenda for a school district. Yeah. And the second thing is, is that it would have been nice if you had staff already with thumbs up Mm -hmm. so that there was like, you know, if they're like, okay, we're going to do this. How are we going to do it? Who's volunteering? And no one puts their hands up. Yeah. A lot of people think that I'm going to be the principal of the school. Like I, (laughs) I, (laughs) yeah, it's funny people's perception of it, but no, I'm just a parent who really wants an outdoor school. And Mm -hmm. I see that you have us 107 kids uh, that have uh, expressed their interest or I guess parents with kids that had expressed their interest. What is the distribution? I see you have like K one, uh, K and one mm-hmm. is one class. Two and three is another class. What's the distribution between kindergarten and grade six? Do, do did the survey include that? Like, how do you have most of your kids in in kindergarten and one, or do you have like a big the quantity? the hundred and seven was anywhere from preschool age up to grade seven. Yeah, we didn't have anybody older than that complete a survey yeah but like it it was interesting it was mostly male yeah numbers and it it was it varied okay enough to do about a class size for each grade Mm -hmm. but it was Mm. yeah it was interesting it wasn't like heavily in kindergarten because no no it was all over the map okay in that age group and I noticed a lot of folks that you had mentioned in in here were maybe not currently enrolled in school right. because they had, they're being homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So it would be like bringing, bringing funds folks back, back into the right. school district. Yeah. Do you know how, do you know how the school districts are funded? Not, I don't know, have enough do you, knowledge do you, on that. Do you know that? that? No. It's got to be about the amount of kids registered. Yeah. It's each right? child yeah. has yeah. around $8,000. So for every child in your school, right. you get a, approximately $8,000. So where would the money go? Let's say I'm in school and my parents say, we're going to take you out. We're going to homeschool you. We're going to do it our way. Where would that money go? That's a good question. The money is coming from taxes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it's taxes, right? I'm not sure the answer. General revenue, probably. (laughs) They're going to build a wall. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like look mm-hmm. at the the stuff that's happening in Kamloops right now with the funding for the schools and and, and school improvements. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Valley View. Yeah. Right. That's huge yeah. for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's all good. I, I think. I, I think you would find volunteers at yeah. the staffing level that would. But then you still got to replace those spots, right? Mm-hmm. You still got to replace. Like, let's say a teacher out of. Let's say Sycamus is like I tried to get in in Salmon Arm, I couldn't get in. Now Chase, I'm that's I'm so for this. I'm gonna go work at that Chase school, and now we have an empty spot in Sycamus, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So there'll be some logistics for sure, some mm-hmm. problems. What about risk? Okay, so that comes down to teachers being educated in risk assessment, like whether it's bee stings or poison ivy or what the weather's doing that could be harmful. It's, that's all comes into the feasibility study and hiring teachers that right. are prepared for those types of risks. But because there's already schools open, you can just sort of like go look at what the template looks like that's working. Yeah. And say, okay, well, we know this is how, we're not 
starting this from scratch, we already know that this works in Maple Ridge, right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a school in Maple Ridge? Yeah, the one in Maple Ridge is 100% outdoors. They have a yurt that they keep all their supplies in. What's a yurt? It's like a... Giant tent. Yeah. Oh. Okay. We you talked about this before. Is. <laughs> we talked about this with Sandra from the edit. Did we? Yes, we did. Oh. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a hot rod. Yurt. Yurt. <laughs> yeah. So, but with that school too, there's a lot of parent involvement. Right. They do a lot of field trips, and the parents are required to bring the children to wherever they're learning that day. So, their their daily activities are all over the map and are required to be driven by parents. And that's another thing that came up in the policy for school district 73 is there's no bus transportation allowed to a choice school. So with Pritchard, we, everybody takes the bus into Haldane and a lot of those numbers of the 107 were from Pritchard. Mm -hmm. But if you take that bus away, Nobody's right. going to drive their kid in every day and, yeah, and go back far. and pick up. Mm-hmm. Right. So we mm-hmm. added on a request to keep those kids that are currently on the bus and to do an extra stop because it would be either a school within a school at Haldane or just up the street at the primary. Yeah. Right. That sounds like the way it should go. Yeah. It should. At least to start off and get momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever done a field trip with your kids to like... Uh, the salmon run or anything like that? Yes. I haven't gone to that one, no. Yeah, I have. How many kids did you have? Like, for me? Like, that, how many that, kids were you in charge of? I was in charge of three kids. Right. Did you have a kid there that you were concerned about? Like, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I'm... Uh, <laughs> no. No? No. No, they're fine. I had, like, three or four kids, and I was watching other parents, and I was concerned about their potential... To like keeping, <laughs> keeping the keeping kids. Those kids from, from I would see that as being a problem. And I, I think the way I see it as a problem as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, you're always looking at your kid and you're like, won't be my kid, but it'll be your kid gets my kid too close to the bank. Right? That, that political stuff, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Did, do you think this will happen? I, I honestly think it will go ahead, but it, I, I have a good feeling it'll be K to one. School within a school, right. see, like they'll test it out. Right, which sucks for you because it that does kicks you out absolutely of the game. suck yeah. for me because my kids are already too old. Right, and yeah. I figured that out last summer. It kind of like dawned on me. I was like, okay, my kids aren't going to get to go. <laughs> it <laughs> totally sucks. You were the driving force, and then yeah. all of yeah. a sudden, yeah, like, you're out. That's mm. so unfair. I know. Right, so you have a big meeting coming up. Yes, correct. Yes. And when is that? May 26th. Okay, May 26th. Is that where they make the decision, or is that just where they're going to evaluate this and see if there's any merit to it? So we're going to propose and basically go through the guidelines that they set out for us, and then they will take it and do a feasibility study. Right. So they will go through all the numbers and do a proper survey. Hire a consultant. Yeah, (laughs) probably. So do do you need support at this event? No. No. This is closed door stuff. Yeah. Okay. What do, are you looking for more support? Uh, not anymore. I think we we're good. You We've got, got letters of support from almost every business in Chase, from TRU, TNRD, Chase Heat, 
everybody has been super supportive. Even just community members that don't have kids right. want it to happen and have sent emails and letters and Chase would be a good location. Yeah. yeah. She's got so much going on. For, for sure. Outdoors. And all within yeah. walking distance. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, cash? Anybody pitching in for cash? Like if there was like anybody committing to funds if they need money? Um, we did have a donation in the beginning of a couple hundred dollars, but it's too it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, I I I wish you all the best in your up. Are you going to give us like a response? You'll have to come back and do the response on the podcast. Tell us how it's going. Tell it. Yeah. What's yes. the updates? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to know. Are yeah. we moving to Chase? Yeah. Are we gonna have more kids. <laughs> we gotta get them in K one. Yes. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Steph, I really appreciate you coming. Any closing thoughts? Um, being outside is better than being inside. (laughs) Learning how an ant, how many legs it has, it's a lot easier to see it walking uh, than in a screen. That's Mm -hmm. my closing thought. Agree. Use all your senses. Touch it. Yeah. Yeah. And being like aware of like um, issues, even as as a child, like let's say you're out on a trail and you see a bear. Yeah. What do we do? Mm-hmm. I was going to say a bee, but whatever. You can see a bear. <laughs> a bee, bear. A bee, a bee stings. Yes, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's how society <laughs> is scaring people away from being yeah. outdoors. Like it's, they're right. conditioning kids to stay indoors and that's yeah. scary out I'd there. Be afraid. The boogeyman's yeah. going to mm-hmm. get them. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting too. If you see, I call them the city kids and the farm kids. Like kids that are from the city and are in this concrete environment come up to our place and they they don't even know how to free play like there's no natural creativity they're just they don't know what to do it's like well it's boring out here it's better indoors where there's yeah electrical outlets yeah Yeah. they don't have to use their imagination it is yeah it's it's a tough thing to get past like i didn't even think that pre to me having kids i never thought my kids would be the indoor types Mm -hmm. but they just naturally are because they're spending time at school yeah. All day with other kids that want to do the same things, right? Uh-huh. So and even, sorry, um, so we were buying a vehicle a couple of years ago and the flip down screens and the dealership guy was telling us that he had read this article about these screens in vehicles and how kids are growing up watching them and not looking out the window yeah. anymore. And yeah. they don't know how to get home. They are so focused on these videos. They're not paying attention. They're not getting their bearings. They don't know direction, and they don't know how to get home. That's (laughs) interesting, hey? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a huge disconnect. Because when I take a different route, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Are we going the long way? (laughs) Like, when are we going to get home? (laughs) What are we doing before we get home? Yeah. That's what they ask me. Well, how do you know? Because this is not the way. <laughs> a lot of times when I'm driving home from Vancouver, um, I like taking the 5A home from Merritt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'll use an excuse, like I got to check in with some listings or something because I have listings usually out that way. And my kids catch on as soon as we start decelerating in Merritt. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we yeah. going? <laughs> what are we doing? Stump Lake. Stump Lake. <laughs> That's where we're headed. Ironically. 
<laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all that interesting stuff with us. And uh, yeah, I, thanks, know, I just wish you guys the very best in your you. challenge that you have lying ahead. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Bye. Call Parker Bennett now for your complimentary home evaluation. 1-800-875-5433.